Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. What's up, Point Four listeners? Welcome to another special Friday episode where we highlight the business side of sports and culture. Don't forget, we are giving out free game every Wednesday and Friday, so follow at Point Forward and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. After seeing the stars of the G League ball out this weekend during the Rising Stars game, we weigh in on the business side of the G League. Lastly, we had an amazing opportunity to sit down with our friends at the Earn Your Leisure podcast and speak with students from the Warden School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania during their 50th annual Whitney M. Young. Shout out to Whitney Young in Chicago and its conference. Point forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life. And that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Of the game. Last weekend, we had the chance to see the NBA's future through the Rising Stars Challenge. Team Detlef, which is my man Detlef Shrimp, was filled with G League stars, future top NBA draft picks, Matas Buzilis and Ron Holland, along with two-time NBA dunk champ Mac McClung. They also upset Team Powell, as in Powell Gasol, that consisted of Wimby, Jaime Hotkes Jr., Brandon Miller, and Jabari Smith. With this showing, how do we continue to grow and utilize the G League to become a better farm system to the NBA? Point forward. How should we structure our G League? Do is it is are the teams overseas competing with the G League? You know, are they taking our talent? But at the same time, we do need veterans on our G League teams. I do think there should be an exemption where you get a guy who's finishing his career. Uh, and you give a meal just to go down there and travel. Right, right. Like Mo Harkless. Yeah. Mark Harkless yeah, is down yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, uh, Norris yeah. Cole, I saw, was down there. Uh, shout out to Pooh Jeter, Alfred Payton. Yeah, Alfred Poo Payton. Jeter. Like, like some of those dudes won so much the fact that they're at the G League or whatever. Not say because I, I looked at Alfred Payton. I'm like, come on, bro. He's done too much work to be coming in here. And he's on that same thing. We need to go down there and be like, yo, you get an exception or something for a year and call it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But even that's just that helping the guys down there uh, form a real sense of what are we missing down here that will help us prepare to go up. But at the same time, 
how many players in the G are actually good enough to be in the league. I do think there's, but I know you got two way guys who right there. No, no, this is all I'm saying. And this is what somebody said before. They said, bro, this is a, Rod Thorne told me this. This is an NBA. Like he told me, there, it's like 10 years ago, he said, there's no big men out there. I'm not telling you this. To tell you this, we looked all around the world. It's very rare you just slip through our hands. So when they put on like two-way and this and the third, that's what they know. The dudes that left and went overseas, they know enough. There wasn't just by chance. And, bro, everybody named Mama's a scout. So like yeah, when you, yeah, we got a lot of scouts. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, no, there's internet, some dudes the internet that are a scout now. Yeah. So like when you sit there and we're giving <laughs> jobs. Like you understand, like the like literally giving <laughs> jobs and they just been at the crib. Nobody even knows what they're talking about. But what I'm saying is like the two-way dudes are the G League guys that can make it. It's already been marked. Mm-hmm. You wanna know why? And then rest of the dudes that are down there, they've been evaluated how many other times? They did 48 workouts. <laughs> then they went to summer league. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you, you can't make me laugh. No, nah, but it's the truth. No, and then when you see it, you be looking at and be like, bro, don't talk. Y'all are playing yourselves now. Cause y'all got a hunt. When I went to go get drafted, I did one workout. I'll be here. They go, no, but listen, this is what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say that to, to like flex. I'm saying. No, I did eight workouts. At, nine. It, yeah, but then, all right, then everybody else probably did 150 workouts and then going to 150 different doors and got real answers or real reservations. So when I be sitting here, I'm like, My n- you did not make it to the league because it's a shoulder shrug. You're not making it to the league because you're either not good or you're not being aware of what they're telling you. How do you not know what you're not doing now at any level? No, you're right. No, you're right. And that's why I want to have like a deeper dive into this because, you know, in my role as the uh, executive director, you know, next gen, which is our G League's union, uh, is rolled. It's like with us, and so how do we support it? You know, uh, all the guys, some of the guys, like the guys that we know can play in the league. How many guys are that in that sit in that vein? And so it's a it's an interesting conversation. But we want to support the whole thing. Obviously, it's a part of the product. It's a part of the actual NBA. They own the yeah. G League, and so we are a partner there. And so how can we yeah. support it as best as possible to prepare some of our younger guys? Because we have had that conversation where like, where are we struggling in the league? Our bottom is too too low. How do we raise it? And can we, you know, and then it could be used as research and development as well. R&D. We talk about that all the time. And, you know, testing our rules, you know, testing out how the game could be officiated or how it could be played. You know, one free throw as opposed to two. You know, um, all the new rules that we try to throw in there. Yeah, but this is all we did, Dre. You want to know what we did that they won't tell you? <laughs> what we do? We built the league for them. So it consists of two-way players that go down an average 30 versus former all-conference players and other professionals while they figure out and clear shit out the way. Yeah, We built the league for you to keep you entertained and keep your shit right. So when you're breaking it down, I'm talking about the G League shit. It's like, no, my The same way when you might be, it might be Santa Cruz Warriors and they have a whole team and they're doing this and a third and Wesley Saunders is a go-to. When they send Jonathan Kaminga down, all that shit is done. When they send Lester Keonis down, it's strictly for him. They tell the players, hey, he'll be down here for a week and a half. The coach is called down. Like, why ain't they shooting more? And then what happens? You go and get your reps. That's why I'm telling people who are in the G League and you read it. It's like, no, my When I'm telling you this because when I was in the NBA, I was just like, oh, I'm just part of the cast. This is a Warriors <laughs> Cavaliers movie. We're just here to fill in roles. <laughs> Read the signs, 
But that's all I'm saying. So put this elsewhere and, and send it to the little homies and put it at the G League thing because at the end of the day, they did not make a mistake. You, I don't even want to do that. Let's switch, bro. Let's just get to talking no, about something No, 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 no. Because, bro, is, you didn't get an exhibit 10 or a two-way in the league and you didn't get drafted and you didn't get time in preseason or summer league and you still in the G I hope you got a degree. Now. That's crazy, bro. No, and I'll end it on this. I find it beautiful. I find it beautiful that guys love the game that will do whatever. Like, we have friends where we grew up or where we're from who will play basketball for free, and they just want to play basketball. And and it's called the Walt Frazier effect where, and this is not a knock. I hope this is not a knock. But the Walt Frazier effect is those guys who uh, they carry themselves as their ultimate life self. And when I say ultimate life self, people who live in their peak self. And so when I see Walt Frazier and his his wardrobe is was his ultimate wardrobe when he was his ultimate self as a player. When he was with the Knicks. So you see the snakeskin suits, you know, you see the peacock suits and then it rolls all the way to MJ who won't get out of them big baggy jeans. But the baggy jeans are coming back to Taylor baggy jeans. And so he just never left that mode of his ultimate self. And so those guys, those guys in the G League that they may not be good enough, like you're saying, but they're still playing basketball. And, and, it, and, it, and they, they are a part of the flywheel that just keeps this thing going. But I'm speaking from a business situation. Once you hit the league and you leave college, this is business. Like, you sit there and it's like, yo, I want to stay in Boston for forever. But Boston is only going to pay me so much. To go to Portland, they're going to pay me however much per whatever. For the sake of this little time that I can use to make money, I'm going to have to do what makes the best decision as a basketball player and as a businessman. So when you're sitting there and it's like, I just want to play local to play local, and do this and a third, I'd be like, rock out. But if you're coming down as a business and it's not working out, there's more money to make overseas. That's my only thing. And to also implement and get your game off even more, not come down. Because I'm just sitting here and being like, yo, imagine working this hard. And it don't matter because once they send some 19-year-old down, he's going to shoot every shot for a week and a half. And then he's going to get sent back up. So that means what? They haven't looked at me once. That means you're just a part of the cast, like you say. And some guys aren't built to play overseas. And you know overseas, you have to have more of a basketball skill set. I will say that. And that's something that's been bothering me about our game a little bit is that you can be one-dimensional now uh, more than any other era. As opposed to other areas, you, you, I think you had to have more of a skill set. Like Now it's just you, if you're able to shoot from 40 feet, then you, you, know, you get a pass on all your, your weaknesses. Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness have come together for the ultimate drop a limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together, like Evan and myself. Hey, man, man. Remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm-hmm. I think it was like 08. 
was finishing up my freshman year, and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes, my extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast-forwarded to be each other's teammates. Mm -hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. And you, you Brian blocked my shot before Brian. That was Brian. a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like thinking something, like talking to my agent. Like, bro, you just said I was better than this <laughs> Look, on the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game. The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US on Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like, and I joked about like the donation thing, but I, I'm glad we boosted the, uh, the G League like pay in general because it was kind of crazy. They had to decide so much in between going overseas, which was something that wasn't comfortable with, or taking like a thousand dollars per month to chase their dream. Yeah, and it's also and supply and demand in marketplace with the time yeah, about the G. Say, sometimes when you look at like, you go to Europe and some of the rules they make, even when they're like, oh, only Americans can play twice a week and this and a third. I almost want to be like, okay, if they're setting, stacking a the stage there, it's our responsibility like, in favor for their locals. It's our responsibility here to at least do the same thing. Yeah. Yes, but do you understand yes, what I'm saying? Like, but, and, yes. And, 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 and when we talk about what could be better or this and a third, I'm like, all right, brother, shouldn't be G leaguers. Like, I don't know how much the average human make, but in this certain instance, whatever else, it's off to say because they might not know how to act with it. But like, closer to a hundred or like higher to this and a third. But there's and that sounds crazy, but I'm just saying like there's certain levels to really take care of our guys, just like they do overseas. Because when they who's come your, across the water. Who's your guy uh, overseas that's killing? Mike, he played for the Nets. Katie went to go see him. Mike James? What was his name? That's it, but Mike James. There we go. Because that was a different level. Like, Mike James is one of them dudes that'll walk around and do interviews like it's crazy he's not in the league. So when it came down to it, I'm talking to Mike James to govern yourself. We're the same age. Mike, when we went to All-American camps, you weren't there. When we went to college, 
You weren't at no All-American camps. You weren't at no combines. We go to Summer League, you had, I'm not knocking it, but you had your chance. So then when he comes overseas, he realizes he can't do it. He like comes to the league and runs right back and gets to chirping and talking crazy about like Steph and all these other dudes. And it's like, you're a small fry. Just because KD put you in his back pocket don't mean you speak now. You came over here and you realize this, this is for 5'9 and taller. Point forward. Recently, we were honored to be invited to speak at the Warden School's African-American NBA Association 50th anniversary of the Whitney M. Young Conference. We were joined alongside our friends at the Earn Your Leisure podcast, Rashad Bilal and Troy Millings. While well, I felt it was a, a great opportunity to speak in front of future, future leaders from our community, I think it's very rare, you know, similar to the All-Star Game, where you get that much talent in one place, have an opportunity to speak to them and letting them know that there are avenues and doors that we've actually created that we can help them get through and build with them. Um, that's the thing that I was most excited about. Um, and then just getting them to see, you know, I think there are things that we never get access to, not just, you know, uh, financial avenues, but also just knowledge or game on how to navigate through the world of uh, scarcity of that knowledge. You know, they never want to give us the game. And I think that's what we represent at Point Forward. Um, and so being able to speak to them on a few things such as, you know, why I chose Golden State for less money over SAC. Uh, in that period of time, you know, I don't know if I would do it again, but in hindsight, 2020, but it worked out um, because it gave me an opportunity to, um, you know, build with some of the top tech firms, build with some of the top um, entrepreneurs in the world. You know, this is the hotbed of it all. And to uh, use my brand on the court and, you know, leverage it off the court to build a brand was just a beautiful thing, a uh, beautiful opportunity. You know, I didn't know it would pan out the way it did, but it worked out. And so it was just an um, amazing experience. And then also, you know, I spoke towards, you know, uh, Nigeria's infrastructure. And when I was speaking, it was, I was there, you know, there weren't the opportunities for Nigeria to, to export their own oil. And now that's in place. And it was just a beautiful thing to see where just recently, 2019, it wasn't there, but now it's being built where Aliko uh, Dangote's his push to use wealth to build Nigeria's infrastructure and uh, giving them the opportunity to um, export their oil or exporting their oil and importing their gas. And now that's being changed and we're going in the right direction. But just exploring that and having those conversations that we've never had before uh, about, you know, just the global economy and where we come from and how all the resources come from one place. It was just um, something I was really excited to be talking about. Point forward all right um so let's let's get into it you guys want to say anything before we start i mean you i'm just in the presence of greatness so um yes no no thank you all that's all just thank y'all for allowing us to be here we want to have a great conversation hopefully you take something from this but uh most importantly um i know we say this a lot and it sounds cliche like we let's all connect so let's get into it uh, i know we're going you know ask each other questions, but I want to ask you guys a question. Um, how did this partnership come together? You guys obviously, you know, played in the league and that's a brotherhood, but now you have a different brotherhood in business and in, you know, new age media communication. So how did this partnership come together with you guys? Well, I mean, he's, he's a great storyteller um, in terms of like how we actually met. And so, um, 
I'll do Tarantino style. I'll go later and then he'll go back in time. But essentially, you know, with the media part, you know, we we have such um, similar, you know, um, viewpoints of the world and the things we see, but I think we speak to it differently. Um, and I think it's it's communicated to the masses. You know, I have, you know, uh, the folks that I can speak to, and then he has the folks that he can speak to, and we feel like we can cover um, a lot of ground. Um, but what we were seeing is just only your own IP and understanding the the power behind it. You know, uh, growing up, I think all we had was Bob Johnson mm-hmm. and BET. And there's been a lot of conversation behind that in terms of, you know, Jay-Z's doing it now. You know, we're building up our own properties. Um, you know, we were talking about Rihanna and Fenty outside. Uh, we're talking about a lot of NBA athletes with um, underwear lines. Um, we're talking about the skims deal with the NBA. And I've, I've had a lot of conversation. We can talk about this later in terms of what do we do with those properties once we build them up? Because there's a lot of... Um, the feedback can be negative sometimes if we sell it. But then I also heard, well, isn't that the purpose, to IPO? And I think you've done an incredible job of enlightening your listeners, which is our community, in terms of participating in public companies. And so, yes, we should go out and reap the fruits of our labor in terms of what we're building. But when we do go public, like our people can participate, and that's how you sell it. You know, and so there's not that negative connotation from behind it coming from that. And so uh, with with us, too, we have conversations like this all the time. And and that's why we chose to go out. And as you know, I have uh, a deal with ESPN and ET's had deals that he's done in the media space. Um, And so we can use those platforms to to leverage to raise our profile. But then we have our own property that we can go out and and we can try to scale and, and go deeper into our conversations and to our listeners and kind of give them some uh, insights on, on our minds and, and how we got to where we are having success, not just on the court, but off the court. And just to go uh, further into that, you know, myself and Dre, we met like back in 09. So he was in a league. I was getting ready to uh, go into my last year of college and join a league. So uh, when I walked in a, into the gym at uh, in Chicago, we were able to, you know, join, a, make a friendship. A year later, I get drafted to the Sixers. I was his rookie, and uh, you know he was a vet to me. So we kind of had our ups and downs as a uh, being nice, <laughs> very very kind as of a you. vet rookie. And you know, uh, our first five or six months was kind of rocky, but eventually we realized we were kind of uh, the same individual, the same mindset, and uh, I think that's where the friendship grew. So once he left Philly, and uh, we went through our career, we stayed connected and stayed locked. And over time, I got offers for different. Uh, media outlets and different shows, but I really just took my time to really uh, try to formulate it and make it the most organic. And uh, I think the number one thing is trying to find people who you relate to and most importantly, who support you. And uh, that's how Point Forward started. And, uh, you know, just for myself, after being in Philly, such a tough uh, media market, one thing that I I really put priority on is uh, getting my own story out there and telling my own narrative and, uh, you know, t- telling the narrative from the athlete that someone get, gets mixed up. Some of the best people I ever met were in the NBA, and some of the smartest people I ever met were in the NBA. And uh, to reach that feat is no small task. And I think to uh, tell that story from, uh, you know, uh, a you know, super, you know, super accomplished individual like Dre or, you know, 
seeing things like myself really, uh, you know, open up the market and spread the narrative for uh, what athletes can be. And, you know, three years ago when we started, it was a small conversation to the point now we're meeting with billionaires and some of the top people and, uh, you know, breaking award and talking to, you know, the future mind. So it's been a, a cool thing and it's been fun. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That's pretty dope. I've always wanted this because where you land in the league is important. Obviously, you guys start in Philly, but branding is something that has shifted a little bit, right? When you came in the league out of Arizona, you out of Ohio State, there wasn't a focus on making the individual the person, like the star, right? Like we had a few stars and brands got behind it, but everybody didn't have their own individual situation. So I wonder where did that shift for you guys, right? Was it the move to, to Golden State where now you're in an area, Silicon Valley particular, where the conversation outside of basketball is happening and you're, you're privy to it and now starting to take that information and applying it. And did that relationship with him continue right now you're learning things but you're not on the same team hey let me put you up on some game no no for sure it's interesting now these they think they're too young putting their brands together i think you need to show your excellence on the court first and that's where you really establish yourself i think is the inverse effect has happened where you got a kid with a brand and i'm like well wait why do you have a brand Oh, you play basketball. <laughs> as opposed to he's one of the, the best at what he does. And I think as we technology's gotten better um, and with making sports more valuable, is you can get closer to the athlete than ever. And an actual individual athlete is B2C, where I can actually touch my fans. Like, I can get close to them. Like, they can see me. And before it was only your superstars. We call them your signature guys who had their own shoes. Well, now we were just talking about a guy in the back who's at the all-white party, but he's making his presence felt. And people identify him, although he may not be a you know, a, um, household name. And so even if you're the ninth man on the team, you still can have a brand. But you can make yourself the best ninth man in the NBA. Like, make your presence on the court first. And I think that's where it's changed as time has gone on. And um, I had the, I was fortunate enough to have the same agent as Kobe Bryant. So I was able to see how Kobe was moving. And so that's what led me to understand like, all right, I got to do it on the court first, do it on the court first. But now these kids are getting smarter. 
It's just they have to make sure they take care of, you know, what they have going on on the court. And going to the Bay was amazing. Um, but my, my business partner, Rudy, who's in here right now, we were talking about Silicon Valley years before I got there. Just didn't know that I would be there. But when the opportunity came, that was a part of the strategy. When I got into free agency, uh, the Warriors didn't have cap space. And I actually had a meeting with them. And I'll never forget, um, I had a meeting with New Orleans. Sacramento offered me an amazing deal. It was damn near double the deal I took. Like, it was a lot. But I had to sign it within like five minutes. And he was like, the owner was like, Andre, you're the future. You're, t you're, you're Kings 2.0. Incredible. And I still have a great relationship with him. Because the vision that I took to the Warriors, he actually wanted me to bring that vision to the Kings. He actually saw it. And, and I've never spoken that. And, and he deserves a lot of credit. He saw that. Like, listen, you're the blueprint for what the NBA player should be in terms of your business. Because he came from the Warriors, so he saw it. But he didn't know I had a meeting with the Warriors because the Warriors had no cap space. But I actually set up a meeting with the Warriors. They were like the fourth team I met with that day. And it was Mark Jackson, it was Joe Lakeup, and they had two execs in there. And they said, Andre, we appreciate you inviting us in. You know, just kind of know why you wanted us to come in, knowing that we don't have cap space. And then I just broke down why I wanted to play for them. Like, hey, like, I see it in Steph Curry. I just lost, we just lost to them. Like, Steph wasn't Steph, but I see it. And you got this kid I had to guard named Clay Thompson. I never heard of this kid. This kid can shoot it like none other. I didn't tell them that I had been following Silicon Valley, but I said, there's some business things that I'm trying to figure out. It was in the back of my mind. And they were like, well, we appreciate it. And we appreciate how you feel about our organization, but there's nothing we can do. But my agent and their GM who was there, Bob Myers, they used to work together at the same agency. Dwight Howard was stalling one weekend I was going to sign with the Dallas Mavericks on like a Friday. And Mark Cuban is, is called and said, well, Dwight Howard pushed back his decision to Monday. So you got to wait. My agent and the Warriors GM figured out like a trade situation. Like Richard Jefferson would go here. Two other players go here. Opens up cap space. We can get it done. And then sometimes it's like, you know, why do you believe in higher power? Like some things just work out for the reasons they're supposed to work out. And boom, it, it worked out crazy and then you know the rest is history no you never know you never know lead with intent <laughs> so i want to fast forward it a little bit and dre i know obviously you'll talk about your role with the nba but nba pa but I, I i'm interested to know your idea and what the vision is for nba basketball on the continent of africa yeah well it's some interesting developments have happened there recently i know the head of uh nba africa um just step down. And so, you know, Africa is one of those, I have to speak different now with the role I have. <laughs> uh, ET has, Evan has, you know, allowed me the ability to really express myself. And he hates it when I'm, I'm PC. Um, but I think he's, he's starting to understand, you know, the power of the voice, you know, um, and that's why I, I love him next to me because he can just speak. Um, but Africa, historically, not like the last 10, 20 years, I'm talking about history of humanity, um, in terms of they have, what, 70, 80% of the world's resources? 
and then how it's been taken advantage of, the human capital, how that's been taken advantage of. Um, you know, I was just listening to a speech not too long ago, like how old is Nigeria in terms of the actual nation? In the 60s? Yeah, I think it's like 70s 70s, now, right? Yeah, still so a relatively young country, yeah. Very, very, very young. Naja boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Naja boys are here. Yes. Jollof rice for lunch. And yes, my father is Nigerian, Benin City, uh, a doe. And Africa is one of the few, it's a continent broken up, but it's really, we look at it as a country us as African-Americans. Like, I think of Africa, I don't think of it as countries. I think of it as a bunch of states, but it should be a country. And you know, we're gonna talk about group economics. Imagine if Africa had one currency. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, I, I can get in trouble if I say that. <laughs> <laughs> but just understanding that, you know, the complexities of Africa, even Nigeria, 270 million people, um, the oil comes from there. You know, I, I had a great understanding of Nigeria when I went 2019 and the oil that comes from Africa, but they have no refineries. And so they, they export their oil and then they buy back gas because they don't have refineries, but they can build the infrastructure with their wealth. But that let me that let me know everything I needed to know in terms of, oh, I know exactly what's going on. And so with NBA Africa, uh, we're seeing a lot of talent come from Africa. You know, Pascal Siakam, uh, Giannis is Nigerian, Joel Embiid. You know, we got MVPs now. And the interesting thing is, um, they probably, maybe might get mad at me, but there's NBA Africa, there's NBA China, right? Um, but the players, we only participate in the revenue from NBA America. And so there's, there's some things that need to be worked on um, from that perspective. But that's something that's like near and dear to me. So my eyes are constantly on it. I sat on the board of a publicly traded company uh, that was based in uh, Africa. And we had talks in terms of like sponsoring the uh, NBA Africa team. So my and then a lot of players are involved. Um Lou Aldang, close friend of mine. Uh not close enough. But I look up to him in terms of like what he's been able to build, the portfolio's been able to build, um, what he's done with uh what team did he have? They made the Olympics. Sudan. The Sudan. Sudan. I think it's South it's, South Sudan. Yeah. Sudan. Royal like, Ivy. We had Royal Ivy, who was my teammate here. Uh, he was the head coach. Um he's doing some amazing things. Um Basketball beyond, uh, without borders. Yeah. We have a lot of players that participated in that as kids in the NBA. And so we're seeing, you know, we talk about building pipelines, right? We're talking about giving out jobs and, you know, just controlling or not controlling, but raising your talent. And so it's, 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 on, my, it's on my radar. Um, and we've been having a lot of conversations in terms of like, how do you own a part of the business? That you 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 know you're you you are the reason why the business exists, and athletes have never been able to participate in you know uh, the value increase of NBA teams. You talk about uh, ghost or phantom shares. I've had some interesting conversations about that. Um, I like y'all. Y'all making me reveal a whole <laughs> lot. Yeah, but, but seriously, this week on the pitch. 
we're breaking form and introducing a new segment on our show called The Exit. You had your first exit at 18 years old, your second at 24. And then six months later, you start another company. This one's called Shift. The company just exploded overnight. And then you realize, all right, we need more money. So you went out to Sand Hill Road. I'm not a West Coast type. I didn't have a feel for the game, but I figured it out really fast. What did you think when you threw out the number? It is very easy to get distracted and excited and thinking about what you're gonna do with your millions. I ran the company out of money. I know my CFO and everybody was thinking, this is nuts. Oh, shift. (laughs) Do you have any regrets about shift? How Bill Smith, a high school dropout from Birmingham, Alabama, started, scaled, and sold his startup for $550 million in three years. That's this week. Go right now and subscribe to The Pitch wherever you listen to podcasts. You guys talk about brands and you talk about Andre or even, you know, a brand I was able to have from the NBA. How did you guys organically start your brand? So, you know, now you have, you know, festivals and people following you all over the 1. world. 1.4 million subscribers. Yeah, I mean, that's actually crazy. Y- y'all got out the basement. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I mean, the origin story really is formatted in, in purpose, to be honest with you. Um, his career was as a financial advisor. I was a teacher. Um, we had an opportunity. You know, every summer I took kids uh, from my neighborhood and they were part of this program. Where we would teach them about the things that they missed in the 10 months of school, right? So everybody goes to school and they're like, I don't remember anything. I didn't learn anything. You ask your kid, what'd you learn today? Nothing. Right. And so it was like, all right, I, I felt very complicit in that. If kids are going to school, I'm a teacher, they're learning nothing. I'm not doing my job, but I'm getting paid. And so there was an opportunity here. Like we can educate kids about financial literacy, about college, about decisions that they were going to make around money at 14 with the hopes that if they got it at 14, they would be more advanced by 19, 20, 25. Um, and so financial literacy was at the, the, the cusp of that. It was like, all right, bet. We're going to pay these kids to be in the program. Let's teach them about money. He had just started his career in advising. I'm like, this is perfect. You can come in. And so we started co-teaching that. Like, I learned about finance from him. He learned how to have classroom management from me, create lesson plans. And so we did that. In my mind, the vision was, I need to have this program throughout New York first, right? Because parents would see it. They're like, this is incredible. How do I scale this? I'm like, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. He was always into social media. He was like, this is how we do it. So we had our, our COO was up there right now, Abdullah. He said, hey, look, <laughs> shout out to Ab. Right. He was like, look, I want you to record the classrooms. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm still trying to figure out how to scale this like physically. He was like, just keep recording the classroom. And he was huge on content, putting it up. Uh, and that led to him creating his, his own platform, right? He wanted to, to teach people about finance in a different way, right? Sometimes when we think about finance, it's a foreign language, right? And we were coming to like Rosetta Stone. <laughs> we were coming like, let's break the monotony of this stush feeling when it came to financial education. Let's talk it in our language. And so he was doing that for multiple people, had his own public access show. Um, I'll let him tell his story. And then people like, wait, where's the rest of that? We need more of that. Where's the episode? And one day he was like, look, wanna do a show? Let's do this podcast. Sat, we sat in our basement, my basement, and we're like, all right, let's do it. And that's how Ernie Leisure was birthed, really. We came up with the name pretty quickly. He was already using it as a hashtag. And from there, it was consistent. It was like, all right, well, here's the vision. These are the 10 things we need to do. 
here are 10 people we want to interview. Let's just go attack it. And really, it started with three iPhones and that idea, and it branded into what you see now. Yeah, I think it's... I don't want to cut you off. I just want you to... Can you explain to me what you took from the public access and like just explain to me how that works within your story and then how you knew how to maneuver into you know subscribers streaming and all that and the difference in the, the revenue streams and like how much is valued at yeah i never went to business school but i was always interested in business my whole life so i was studying like real world case studies so in 2012 instagram was like fairly new and you know, I got introduced to it, and like everybody else, I was on the app all the time. And when I'm first on Instagram, I'm just thinking like, this is a cool app. You get to share photos. At the time, it was no videos. And at that time, it was just for iPhone users. But I quickly realized something in this situation. So I used to follow this fashion blog, and the fashion blog had like a million followers at that time. And at that time, if you had a million followers, you could reach a million people. And what I realized was that. What she was doing, the girl that actually was running the fashion vlog, was that she would post like lookbooks on like, you know, this actress wore this and this singer wore this. But in between the looks, she would do like organic ads. So it'd be like a small boutique in Philly that had a blazer. And you didn't really know it was an ad unless she was actually really studying it. So right then, I'm like, this is crazy. Because how I was looking at it was like, okay, how many people subscribe to New York Times? Probably a million people in circulation from New York Times every single day. And how much money does it cost to run an ad in the New York Times? $50,000. How much money does it cost to run an ad on NBC, ABC? Millions of dollars, right? But I'm thinking, I didn't know, but I'm thinking to myself that they're probably paying her $500 or $1,000 but they can reach just as many people as all of these traditional outlets. So then that's when I was like, okay, advertising is gonna change. This is the new wave. So I actually had a meeting with him and I was explaining this to him and I was like, we need to start a fashion blog. And we did. We started a fashion blog, it was called Fashion Wave. And we actually got it to like 12,000 followers. But that was the original point was like social media, is something that's going to take over the world. Most people have no idea how they're actually using it. They're just using it as consumers. But there's a business behind this. This is before influencer was even a word. This is before you had to put ad. You could just organically do it. That didn't work out, but the idea was still there. So the next idea was I was a financial advisor at the time. So I wanted to become a celebrity financial advisor. That was my original goal. I wanted to work with athletes, entertainers, because I felt like I played basketball my whole entire life. And I was looking at the people that was representing athletes, and I'm like, I know that they don't, they're not from the culture. They don't, they're not listening to the music. I know the music. I'm listening to it. I, why should they get to work with these people? I know I'm more qualified because I can actually sit down and have a conversation. But I didn't know anybody. I had no inroads. I had no advanced degree, and I didn't really have a way to actually get my way into the door. So the idea was to become a famous celebrity financial advisor, because I was looking at the landscape, and I'm like, okay, social media has provided a platform for anybody to become a celebrity. Celebrity chef, a celebrity trainer. Previously, you could only become a celebrity if you was an athlete or an entertainer. 
but now you could be a celebrity anything. I'm like, well, you may be, be able to be a celebrity financial advisor, right? First of its kind. Just, anything is possible, right? <laughs> anything. Anything, is, anything possible. is possible, bro. Just maybe. So that's when all of the content comes into play, right? Where it's record everything. I'm mad we're not recording this, but that's the number one rule in life is to record everything because you never know. So we record. We are no, we're recording this, but you got to get... <laughs> You got to get the organic, the organic, you get the organic. cell phone footage algorithm breaker. So now it's like, okay, record the classroom, record selfie videos, record everything to your question about the public access show. The number one rule in life is to cultivate relationships. There's a lot of number one rules in life, by the way. <laughs> 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 just so y'all know yes yes three more coming so you gotta cultivate you gotta cultivate yes you gotta cultivate relationships so i was like okay at that time i wanted to get in front of all like the top real estate developers and and entrepreneurs and architects these are people that have made a lot of money and successful but nobody knows them and what i realized is that the number one rule in life is that everybody wants to talk about themselves, right? So I'm like, okay, if I could provide a platform for somebody to talk about themselves, then now that's actually a way for me to build a relationship. So I get offered a public access show. I never looked at it as a public access show. I looked at it as a TV show. And that's how I pitched it. I would go to somebody and be like, you know, I have a TV show. Do you want to be? Nobody's going to turn down being on a TV show, especially if they've never been on TV. <laughs> so what that actually did was help me to sharpen my communication skills and learn how to actually interview people, right? So all of this is happening at the same time. We have a relationship from growing up together and working in the classroom as he just described. And my social media following is building at the time. So when we start Earn Your Leisure, the show, um, now we have a, a lot of things working for us, right? So when we hit this, the ground, it's like an explosion because we was able to actually provide information in a very relatable manner. So we're kind of like the ladder to the clouds. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. 